Father, we thank you again for the privilege we have of meeting together and studying your word and enjoying the unity that we have in Jesus, that um, we have before us a text that is um, quite stout, and uh, we know that even though we make, can make sense of putting nouns and verbs together, the true meaning of it um, is illuminated and, and shown to us by your Spirit, and we only get your word by your Spirit. And so uh, we pray that what we read today is not just another rule, another burden, but that we, uh, by your Spirit, can see the liberating freedom that we have in Christ in remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy. So, Father, we pray for your, the gift of your grace again today. Thank you for those who are here. We pray for those who aren't, that you would be with them, keep them safe. And we ask, Father, during this time that you prepare our hearts for the preaching of your word in the next hour. And even now to, to prepare uh, Philip as he's been working all week. Um, give him an extra measure of grace to, to bring us a, um, a challenging uh, word from you and... Um, an encouraging uh, word as well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we have been going through the Ten Commandments. We're we're uh, moving through Exodus at a rapid, rapid pace, um, and so we're going to take up three more verses today. Uh, Exodus twenty is where we are. If you don't have a Bible, if you need one, let me know. We have one. <laughs> Perfect. Providence. We have one. Exodus 20. Verse 8. We'll be working through uh, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. We land today on the last commandment of the so-called first tablet. Right? There's two tablets. Um... And, and generally people think of the first tablet as being the one that is vertically oriented, God-oriented, and the second tablet as the last six being man-oriented, you know, man horizontal, love your neighbor, that kind of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and put my cards on the deck here. Um, don't, don't steal them. Uh, my idea, my, my thought, my, my argument to you at the end of our time together through the Ten Commandments is going to be all of this is vertical and all of this is horizontal. Because you don't have one without the other. You, you can't love your neighbor if you don't love God first. You can't uh, serve God well and hate your brother by stealing, lying, whatever. That's my pitch. So keep that in mind as we look through um, this one this morning, the Sabbath. Um, let's review. We've been talking about the other, the other previous three commandments. What were they? And what did they tell us? No other gods before me. No other gods before me. So we have, uh, was it right, have a right heart. 
And what did, what do we say that pointed to? No other gods before me. What did that call for us to do? How do we approach the other nine? Okay, that's the third one. Said right reverence. Oops. A and C E. E and C E. I knew that I was just getting birds out of you. One sick sick from awake. Uh, some have pointed to right fidelity. What does that mean? What are we talking about there? First of all, right heart. How do we approach this? <sighs> can't make an image, really. How do we approach it? What does that mean? Well, if you love, if you really love God with your all, like Jesus talks about, then you won't be tempted to make an image. Okay. So it's not, it's not negative so much as it is positive. Like, okay. But it starts with a negative, right? You shall have no other gods before me. And anything we prize more than God becomes our God. Right? That, that includes, you know, School, family, finances, Republican National Commitment, all that stuff <laughs> becomes your God if it, you prize that more than Christ, right? Um, Calvin kind of said it this way, be, be content with one sole God and trust him as being sufficient. Be content with one. Um, so Reinhardt starts with an emotional connection that we have to God himself. It's not just he's up there and we just got to do this stuff because it's, you know, it's what we're supposed to do. We're doing this out of a love and devotion for who he is and what he has done. He intros the whole thing with, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Right? I'm the God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The redemption is the basis for God's credibility with us. He, he saves us, therefore our response is love him. And Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Not obey my commandments to, to, to you know, to, but if you love me, you obey them. It naturally, it flows from a, a, a wanting to please him. So that's the first thing, that's the overarching theme here, is it starts with loving God. The second one is what? No idols. No idols. The Don't, right, right, get the right God. Get your notes. Right? God. We can be devoted and zealous and all kinds of just wonderful feelings about the wrong God. My God would never do that. Really? Have you read your Bible lately? The God of our imagination is not God. We need to be worshiping the God who is, not the God of our imagination. And how do we know the God who is? Well, through the Word. These last days he has revealed himself through his son, the final expression of God's word, character, the full expression, and we know that through the Bible. But we also talked about how sometimes we, we say we worship Jesus, but we have made Jesus in our own image. Sure. And like we talked about, you can listen to even Christian radio and hear songs that are not the Jesus yeah. of the Bible. Yeah. You ever want to see me get a tick on one of these kind of things? Turn on Christian radio for any. There's a lot of good songs on there, but every now and then they throw one in. There's like. Right. And thought of me above all. I just ah oh, go nuts. Okay. <laughs> right reverence, right reverence, fidelity. What do we mean here? What are we talking about here? 
kind of the same thing as the heart thing. Like I, I define the top one as uh, put God as paramount in your life, even at the heart level. Mm-hmm. And I think number three is kind of the same thing. It's just you, uh, if you're not doing that, you're sinning. Mm-hmm. And so you need to do that with a cheerful heart. Okay. Can we say that this maybe is from motivation? And this would be in action? We talked about last time, uh, many moons ago, um, before I left on my trip to tour all of Texas in seven days, um, that, that we had a duty here. This isn't just about what, what words are prescripted that we can't use. It's not about using, it, it includes that, how we use God's name. But we wear this name. We're baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what we do projects the name. Is, are, we, are we living up to the worth of that name? It's not the letters and, and the sounds that, it's, that Yahweh makes or that Jesus makes. I mean, different languages use different words for, for, um, for God. We talked about Russian bog being the, the word for well. Just that's a different word, and I'm not really that concerned about wet, swampy areas. I'm concerned about the one, who he is. And so how we, um, it does sort of relate to my God would never do this. My, it does come into that. We, dimin- we diminish God's word, God's character, God's action by, by doing some of the bumper sticker nonsense that we do. Um, so that's, okay, so we got right heart, right God, right reverence. Today we're going to look at Right rest. Seems ours. You know, feeling a theme. So right rest. Yes, Gray Baptist. Okay. How does it start? It's the first word in this command. Remember. Is this a new concept for them? It's not new. Sabbath rest is not new to them. Where are you getting that? How could you say such a thing? Creation. Creation. And where else? Remember where else? Well, first of all, why in creation? Why do you say that? The order on the, on the seventh day God rested from all the work that he did. It's built into the fabric of creation itself. Mm-hmm. God worked six days and rested on the seventh. Um, when we say God rested... It's just a lot of work for God to create everything, I guess. Right? What is, what is he resting in? What, what, did, what is, what's going on there? He wasn't panting on the seventh day. What, what was he doing? He was enjoying his creation. Yeah. He was delighting in the goodness of what he'd done. Is that instructive to us? When we talk about Sabbath day rest, we're going to get into some silliness the Pharisees got into here in a little bit, but that's the core of it, isn't it? Delighting in the goodness of what? That's the model he set out for us? Yes, ma'am. Um, I was just thinking, he didn't really physically rest. I mean, like, because the universe is still here. And yeah. he wasn't constantly... I mean, like, there's, there's things like the, the strong atom force that scientists don't even understand, like, why atoms don't just completely fly apart. Sure. And my dad's a chemist, though. I mean, he likes, he likes to think that that's just God holding mm-hmm. everything together. And it's not like God just, like, forgot about the earth yeah. for a day. Yeah, yeah. 
We'll, we'll see how it does on its own for a while. Yeah. As it disintegrates. And, it's like, okay, I made it, now you're, you're, yeah. you're on your own. <laughs> so he's, there's still some work going on. Right. So like when the Pharisees say, oh, like you can't do any work at all, that's pretty ridiculous. Right. Not like God himself sets that standard of what is work. Okay, good. Um, where else have we seen this before in Exodus, say, in the desert? coming toward this point of the mountain. We had seen this principle. Manna, on the manna. What they is it? Right. So let's say Friday, they would gather twice as much so that on Saturday or Sabbath day, they would not have to gather. God provided for them the means by which to obey him, mm-hmm. which should be instructive to us well um, so yeah those are two so why put it here what's the point I, I don't th- if it's built in the fabric of creation we can probably all agree that the Egyptians probably didn't follow this rule right when, when, when Israel was enslaved okay you guys are off on Sabbath we, we, we get that they, didn't, they probably didn't follow that so we don't know how, to what extent the Israelites were able to practice this for four centuries that they were enslaved in Egypt. Um, but why write it here? Yeah, who's got it? Yeah. Didn't Jesus say something about that Sabbath was not made for God, but it was made for man? That it was made for us to rest because we need rest? Well, it, it, Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man, I think, is the, is the way he, he phrased it. Right. Um, yeah. So, so why does it need to be written down here? I mean, it's no, built in the fabric. Forget. Because they would forget. They're stiff-necked people, you say. The Bible says. You're so, yeah. <laughs> Not on my own authority, the Bible says. <laughs> it's always a good practice. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I just said, it, you said they're stiff-necked people, and I said completely unlike us. No, completely. <laughs> it's just so, un- we need stuff written down. I read, a, I read a, a, an article by a, or a blog post this morning by a Doug Wilson on the need for vows. And, and he was talking about contact. Apparently his son's getting married or somebody he knew close to getting married. And he said it's interesting how we have the, the drive to make vows when we least need them. Because when you're standing at the front of the church taking these vows, you can't think of anything else but, you know, you and me, baby. That's it. That's all you got. And the vow is not for that moment. The vow is for four and a half years later <laughs> when you're thinking, I've got to get out of this. Right? That's what the vow's for. And yet, when we, most, when we least need the vow, we feel compelled to make it. Um, they're all about rest here. They've been enslaved for four centuries. Woohoo. And yet, this is a common recurring theme in the prophets of them violating the Sabbath. You have profaned my Sabbath. Um, so what's the purpose of this? We, we've got... Uh, we've talked about it being part of the fabric of creation. So why, so why put it in the law? Um, it's a remember. That, that word remember, I think, is instructive to us. We're to remember, um, commemorate God being created. So remember, 
God creation. It that takes, ma- it takes away from works based righteousness because God is the one who delivered them out of Egypt. But they were trying to make a golden calf, like they're trying to do some work to make a God. So yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. We've got to get through the other six because um, it's not long after this. Though. Is it hot in here, to y'all? Yes. <laughs> You're probably still on heat. <laughs> it is. How is that? It's on heat. Oh, I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> Somehow it's in the <laughs> All right. Aha. There. It'll be 46 in here in a minute. Um, so, remember God's delivery from slavery. Maybe redemption. Remember redemption? Can we do that? I don't know why I do that, the R's thing. So this is a recurring thing every week. Remember his creation. Remember him as creator, the natural order of what he's done, his power as, as, as uh, making something good. Remember redemption, what he's done for his people by bringing them out of slavery. Um, uh, look at Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Somebody read that for me. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So Moses is reiterating the Ten Commandments here in Deuteronomy, his, his final sermon to the people. And he's reiterating, reiterating, let me get it down, uh, the Sabbath rest. And he gives two reasons for it in Deuteronomy 12. What, what's the first one? And he gives three reasons for it. And, and what, what does he say? Creation, we have. I think he points to slavery and redemption there. Right? He gives another one, too. Slaves in Egypt. Okay, that's the redemption. Oh. Says something else. That everyone, including the servants and everyone would have rest. Would have physical rest. Why? And not just the people. The goats. Goats need rest. (laughs) Is that... What's the point... Kidding. Nice. What's the point of that? Why, Why would God say you need physical rest? Other than because you do. Why not make it every eighth day? Do you know some cultures have tried this? They've moved their work schedules from like 11 days break, 15 days break, and they all devolve back into six days work, one day rest. 
That's maybe seven months on, one month off. Um, generally speaking, the national work schedule, uh, some industries notwithstanding, like law, uh, you, you have that six-day rhythm. Six-day work, one-day rest. Six-day work, one-day rest. It all comes back to that, generally speaking. And it feels almost unnatural whenever we don't have it. So there's a physical rest, a rest for all God's creatures, not just his people, but all of creation. It's a reprieve from the routine of daily labor. Look at Exodus 23, 12. Who's got that one? Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and your son of your servant, uh, and the son of your servant woman, and the alien may be refreshed. Not just national Israel, not just the animals owned by national Israel, but anyone in country who is a sojourner is commanded to rest on this day for physical rest. All right, what else? Look at Exodus 31, 12 through 17. What is another reason, a purpose for this commandment for Israel. Go ahead. And the, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So what is an additional reason we're given there for the, for the Sabbath commandment? I wrote it on the board. The, that they are set apart, that the Lord sanctifies, He sets them apart. Because of what? What does He do to, to, to um, what is in place? What are these Ten Commandments a, a document of? The covenant. the covenant. Remember, it's helpful, isn't it? Helpful in that He says, here's a sign of the covenant to you. This is an odd thing in the ancient Near East culture. No other culture had a set-apart day of rest. None of them did. Uh, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to make of that. Because you'd think it would be in the fabric of creation. But it wasn't here. Uh, in, in fact, there, there is a... Um, well, obviously, we, we talked about it, the Egyptians and their situation, but the Assyrians didn't, the Babylonians didn't. None of them had um, a holy day where everyone took off. Now, the, the elites probably took off quite often. They kind of like, treated like the French, you know, four days. And, um, so you have this celebration every week uh, of Israel of this set-apart day that showed the world they're a set-apart people. That was the, that was the point of this. One of the points, right? One of the purpose of this is to show the covenant, to be a, a sign of the covenant. All right. And then what's the last, the last one I 
found here is in Leviticus. Oh, yes, Leviticus 23, 2 through 3. Leviticus 23, 2 through 3. Convocation is an assembly. It's a gathering together. Um, so you have the first of the feasts that he's talking about, the first of the, um, the, the festivals, is the Sabbath, the weekly celebration of these things. And you're to do it together, he tells them. Remember to assemble. Let's see. Remember God's creation. Remember redemption. Remember physical rest. Remember the covenant. Remember to assemble. Whew. That's a lot for these pre-cross Old Testament Israelites to do, isn't it? On this day of rest. So glad we don't have to do that anymore. Oh, man, thank God that we have the cross. It's been fulfilled. It's been abolished, and we don't have to. We're doing it right now. Oh. <laughs> Um, Matthew 12 turn there this commandment was a great source of anxiety for the Pharisees great source of anxiety really the anxiety stemmed I think from how other people obeyed it they were really anxious about how everybody else obeyed the Sabbath. And um, so I want to I ask you, how would you respond to this complaint by the Pharisees? Look at verse 1, chapter 12, Matthew. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, what would your immediate response to that be? <laughs> what would your immediate response to that be? You'd be a word from God. I would say, look, is it very restful for people to be hungry? Is it restful to be hungry? What are we getting at there? The purpose of the Sabbath was so people could be refreshed, like one of the passages said. Right. So my initial response is, why are you so picky? You're such a legalist. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? And I would expect Jesus to go there. Why are you picky? Why are you always picking? Well, he doesn't do that. Um, that's the natural reaction for me, and maybe you guys are more spiritual than me, apparently. I, I, I would be enraged that they're splitting hairs over, come on, they're hungry. Really? Uh, I got some... Some information. Al Mohler uh, had had uh, written on this a while back. He he had included in it some of the some of the views of the Pharisees. Some of the things they debated. The Pharisees, the rabbis at that time, debated over the Sabbath. Um, for example, 
this is particularly important to me. If an egg is found under a hen on the Sabbath morning, may it be eaten. When was the labor performed? Right? I mean, you can't ask the hen. If the labor was performed Sabbath morning, then that was working, you're not to eat it. But if she did it the night before, before Sabbath, then it's a gift, and you can eat it. This is an argument they had, and there was disagreement on when to eat the egg under the hen if it was found on the Sabbath. I'm kind of wondering why are you looking under the hen on Sabbath anyway for that particular, but, but anyway, that was a question they had. Here's another one. What if Granny fell down in the field and needed to be carried back to the house by the family on the Sabbath? If, you, if, she, if the family goes out with, with some kind of litter, right, a little sling thing, and one of the poles accidentally slipped and dug into the field, well, you've just plowed and you've defamed the, you've desecrated the Sabbath. Do you leave Granny out there until Sabbath is over and then, you know, not profane the Sabbath, take the risk of profaning it? There was disagreement on that question. This is the stuff he's dealing with. This is where he is. I, I'm kind of, those who said no, leave Granny out there, I'm kind of wondering if they had their mother in law in mind. This is my <laughs> concern there. But anyway, what does Jesus do? He points to the lack of, stop it. He points to the <laughs> lack of understanding of the Word of God here, doesn't he? In verse 7. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Why is he holding his disciples guiltless here? How does he get there? How does he get there? The next statement, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. What an incredible statement to a bunch of Jews in first century Palestine. This is the defining um, identifying thing of their culture, Sabbath. Um, the, the, the Sabbath was cycled every week. There, there was um, uh, seven years, a seven-year cycle, six years you worked the land, the seventh year the land was to remain fallow, give it rest. And after a period of seven sevens of years, that's 49 for those of you from Winona, that's 49 years. Um, 50, the 50th year was the year of Jubilee, right? It ended, it culminated in a, in, a, in a celebrative year of God's goodness, of joy, of rest. Their whole culture, their calendar was transformed by the Sabbath. They went from a lunar calendar, you know, based upon the cycles of stuff, to a day calendar. They counted the days. The whole thing was changed unique in, in the Near Eastern culture. And so he says to them, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. That's a big deal. It's a big claim. He's creating creator and redeemer. That's what he's claiming here. Um, how does he get there first? What is he first reference? What does he point to? David eating the bread. Eating the bread. And what, what's the context there? And pass it on to his men. 
not just himself, was not condemned. Goes into the goes into the priest and says, "I'm hungry," and they give him the bread and he eats the bread. What else does he point to? We'll start in verse 3 and we'll work our way out. <laughs> okay, here it goes. Uh, Sabbath was made as a gift for man so that he could rest. And uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord even of Sabbath. So our real, um, what we need to follow is Christ, not some uh, law of the Sabbath. So do we get grain out of the field or not? Sure. Okay. So verse 3. Verse 5, it talks about the priests working on the Sabbath. Sure. Yeah, I was thinking and what is he pointing to there? What is, a common, what is a common element between David and what he was doing with his men and the priest and their service in the temple, both on the Sabbath and both... Um, they were meeting needs. They were meeting needs. I mean, the priests are meeting the needs of the people that come Aren't they both further in the kingdom? Isn't that what's going on? David is... Um, trying to stay alive in order to establish a kingdom in which he is king because God has anointed him to be king. He's serving the kingdom at great peril. The priest also is serving the kingdom and their daily work and the temple according to what God has commanded. And yet, neither one of them are condemned. Do you find it odd that uh, the Pharisees can't even abide by their own rules here. Their own standard they violate and they don't see it. They're, they're, some have said that the Pharisees were more um, attentive to Jesus and his disciples than the paparazzi have ever been to, to any star. I mean, they're always, whatever they did, it was reported and discussed and how we could get them for this. So it, it, we have here uh, an incredible lack of understanding of the word of God that Jesus points to by the Pharisees. Um, and, and in Exodus we're seeing in, 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 the, in, the, in the Ten Commandments an, an, a progression of God's faithfulness in creating God's faithfulness in redeeming and delivering his people to take them to a promised land what is, what is a land of promise supposed to be for them? land of work land of rest right? that's where they're headed and within the land of rest there's a place of God's presence Rest is where God is. The temple is to be established there. So you have a place, a promised place, but you also have a promised time of rest in the Sabbath. All of that is moving forward, uh, and we see that the entire structure of, of Israel's calendar is based on that. Um, here's the point by Jesus in, in, in Matthew 12. If David's actions are justified because of the service to which he was called. If the priests are justified because of their great service to which they are called, how much more Jesus' disciples because of the greater and more holy calling to which they are called? You see? That's the progression of the logic. How much more? 
he's greater than Jonah, he's greater than Solomon, he's greater than the temple. He's told them all of this before. He goes even farther and says that he owns the Sabbath in verse 8. He's Lord of the Sabbath. Um, and in, in verse 9 and on, he's going to heal on the Sabbath, defining what is work and what's not work on the Sabbath is works of mercy. There can be no greater service of the Sabbath than that given to Christ himself, who is Lord of the Sabbath. All right. Men were not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for men. Um, so what are we to make of this as Christians post-cross? Yeah, we have to remember um, post-cross, uh, pre-cross, all of these uh, days and times and places and all these things were images pointing to Christ. And when Christ came, he fulfilled them. It's good to still have like remembrances, ways that we can remember this is what Christ has done for us. Maybe we take a, a time aside to remember that, but that time isn't where we uh, gain mercy and grace and that kind of stuff. It's through Christ. What are we to make of a switch between the last day of the week to the first day of the week? Why is that made in the church? Because of the resurrection. When did that happen? On the first day of the week, the Sunday, we call it. Um, what an apologetic to the belief by the first church that Christ had indeed raised from the dead. These are Jewish Christians, and they have transformed the identifying element of their culture to be Christ centered when he rose. What an apologetic. They're profaning the Sabbath if Christ is not Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, for them in the first century, second century, third, if I can just make it one more week, if I can escape imperial oppression, if I can escape the uh, meaningless work and toil that I do as a servant in the house of some Roman elite, if I can escape sickness for another week, I can get to be with God's people on God's day. I can celebrate the Lord's Day with them yet again. So this idea of the, the first day of the week, is this just a new way of counting uh, six and one? Do we just kind of reorient that, or is there something else going on there? Seventh-day Adventists say uh, that the church made a mistake in doing that, that you should be um, celebrating Sabbath on the last day of the week because that's what the commandment says. Augustine and some of his uh, people... Uh, following him, or, or even some even before, said that the, the fourth commandment has been fulfilled in Christ. It was a type and shadow. It's all done. Any adherence we have to the Sabbath commandment today is basically fulfilling church tradition, which is good, but not commanded. Right? Calvin and Luther thought differently. Um, what are the odds? Um <laughs> They understood that the, Sabbath, that the Sabbath was replaced by Resurrection Sunday and that the church was commanded to do these things. New Testament confirms all of these as we go through the Sabbath. Um, they argued that the central issue for the church under the fourth commandment was to gather to fulfill all that is commanded in the New Testament. Well, what's commanded when we gather together? Preach the word. I know, it's just 935. Are you sure? Nuts. Um, preach the word, sing hymns, psalms, spiritual songs, the mutual edification of the body, the fellowship around the table that proclaims the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. These are all positive actions and positive expectations. 
The main issue is what we are to do for Luther and Calvin rather than what we are not to do. Yes? Here's, here's some closing thoughts because I know that we're, we're running a little long in the tooth. Um, so far we've seen in the, in the commandments that we must honor God with our loyalty. That's the first commandment. That uh, we must honor God with our thought life. How we, the God of our imagination versus God who is in, in the second commandment. And then we must honor God with our words. The, the third commandment. Here we see... And it's put at the first of the week. We must honor God by use of our time. It's all His. It's all a gift. Everything we have is a gift. And there's a rhythm of toil and rest that He's given us, that He's instructed us to, to, to do. And, and all of the time that's a gift to us is to be given back to Him in service to Him. It's a statement. It's a declaration of who we are in Christ. It's the goal of the enemy to see that we waste every minute. That's the goal of the enemy. Um, but it's our joy and duty to look carefully how we walk, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That's, that's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like not what we were talking about because I'm not making Sunday the last day. Yeah. Would, is that just me or is that? Kind no, of I think I think I think it's being reinvented that way. I think you're I think you're right. The perception. Well, I, I don't think that's right. Um, I think that we start the day we start the week off as a day of rest. I think that's how we begin it. Um, and if we're saying in saying that all of our time is a gift of God and that we need to redeem the time for the days are evil, what do we mean by that? How does, what does that involve? For the sake of time, I'll just cut to the chase. I don't think that that means that we try to pack as much into every waking moment as we possibly can to redeem the time. That doesn't work. Been there, done that. Does not work. Um, that's not honoring God with our time. I, you know, I, I think of the lives of like Calvin, 25, right in the Institutes already. It just kills me. He did it without Logos Bible software. He didn't have a computer. He didn't, he didn't have you know, a, a smartphone to, to record his sermons on and do the thing. I, I'm, I'm humiliated by the fact that I'm 40 and haven't written a book yet. It just drives me nuts. But that's not what I'm called to do. That's not who we are, right? That's, there's a rhythm and toil God gives 
people to do those things in their rhythm and toil of their a rhythm of toil and rest in their lives. We have a rhythm of toil and rest in our lives. Not that we don't press on and reach for things, but that we need to realize that we're finite. He's creator, not us. Right? He's redeemed us. We don't redeem ourselves. He made us to need physical rest. And this is a, a, a statement of our creatureliness, the Sabbath rest is. So you honor God by making it best use of the time when you have an ordered lifestyle within that rhythm of work and worship that, that you give appropriate time for, here, I know this is evil for you guys, for sleep. That's a good thing. Sleep is a good thing. It is a good thing, believe me. It gets harder to do as you get older. Your body hates you as you get older. Um, you, 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 you have appropriate time for family, for wage earning, for taking care of your home, for prayer and recreation. You master the time you've been given. Don't let the time master you. That's the statement. That's the call of Sabbath rest. And I blow this horribly. How about you? <laughs> so, do we take the fourth commandment as seriously as we should? Probably not. So let's repent and take the commandment as seriously as we should and work through um, what God has given us. Ah. Yes and no. We'll talk about this another time, maybe. Um, all right. Any other questions, any other comments? It's uh, 1010, and I've worked very hard to get us to 1015. So... I'm sweating up here on the Sabbath. Um, holy it's holy sweat. <laughs> is, is there such a thing? <laughs> Talk to us. There is an Adam West's life. Holy sweat. Wow, that was pretty. Uh, I think we need a break. Yeah, we need a break. <laughs> pretty, what are you saying? Um, all right. Father, we do thank you for your word, and that you have seen fit to reveal yourself to us, the pages of this book, that you moved men by your spirit to write these things down for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. Father, we want to be obedient to your word. We want to rightly understand it and apply it. And we're so foolish so many times and how we try to live this out. Thank you for the rest that you bring us in Christ. And that he is working as the Father is working for our rest. And so, Father, in the rest that we have in Christ, we want to work all the harder for your kingdom, but to do it rightly and to do it wisely in the rhythm of work and worship. Give us wisdom in how to do that. Give us discernment in what things need to be culled out so that we can be more effective and more productive in our obedience to your command of Sabbath rest. We pray for these things in Jesus' name, the Lord of our Sabbath. Amen.